over. Bucks are dead. They're done. How's it feel, Bucks fans? Do you want blood? Bru- <laughs> I almost said Brian Gutekunst. Mike Budenholzer, you want you want him done? You're fired. I think it's uh, another case of the nut kick continuum. It's over now, though. We uh, is this, and we've said this before, and I'll say it again. People are now globbing onto the tank. Rowdy and I already had it. This is the 2011 Green Bay Packers. You're the best team in the league. You get to the playoffs, and what do you do? You crapped on all down your leg. It's over. I think that comparison is great, Rowdy. The 2011 Green Bay Packers. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I think yeah, you could yeah, also yeah, look at yeah. there's a lot of different aspects to, well, that Packer-Giants game. And I think it's kind of the same. Like, obviously, Aaron Rodgers was the man in 2011. That was his, in my opinion, that was his best career year. I don't think it's an opinion. He's got the all-time mark for quarterback rating. It, like, he was insanely good. <laughs> I don't know if that's opinion. I think well, that's I think if rowdy. you look at some of his numbers, you could argue a couple of other years are right there. But yeah, but with, with that. That's quarterback rating all-time. With that being a 15-1 and one year and what he did, I mean, he was amazing. And he kind of laid an egg in that game. And now... <clears throat> There were other reasons why they lost, and that's kind of the same here, right? Like, there was a lot of other reasons why the Milwaukee Bucks lost this game, whether it's Budenholzer, Middleton, Drew Holiday, the fact that Giannis couldn't make free throws. Like, But again, you point at the superstar and say, well, he missed a ton of free throws. He yeah. could have been better. Budenholzer, well, I don't think we need to really. I don't really talk blame Giannis. Length. I blame Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Mike Budenholzer, then Giannis. I don't blame any of them. I blame all of them. Well, I, I blame mean, yeah. the Bucks. You Same. lost two straight. They're a with, team, obviously, with, but if you want to like go down the list, I would go Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, one two, and then Mike Budenholzer then. Well, I feel like it's not fair. I want to point the finger at all of them. Well, uh, obviously, it's all of them. I mean, they're a team. <laughs> I, I might want to just put Budenholzer up at top because the one game you won. You fed Brooke Lopez early, and he was dominating. Oh, yeah. Lopez that, dominated this whole series. And that opened up the line because the the Bucks were getting in and being aggressive inside. Then everybody was making their threes because they were getting some pretty good open shots. And then the other four games, you were all just like, meh. What what bothers me the most is Jimmy Butler. Like I'll never forget Game Four. The announcers are like, "The Bucks have conceded to let Jimmy Butler just do whatever he wants. They're just going to stop everyone else." Mike Budenholzer, stop. notice that Chris Middleton sucks guarding Jimmy Butler. Put something else well, on him. And I know it's been mentioned a lot, especially from last night, where it's like he talked about he probably should have used a timeout before the the last play of the game in regulation, or you know he should have taken a timeout here. Well. One thing that I noticed, not from last night, but the game before, where they blew a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter as well, yeah. was the fact that he never called timeout to break up the no. momentum until it was almost a tie game. He said he doesn't. I was re- like what? He said he regrets not calling that timeout, but he doesn't regret not calling a timeout in overtime at the end. <laughs> Afterwards, that's like, what he said. When you think about it, in the NBA, they can get up and down the court, and you can roll off like ten points from one team in in less than a minute. Yeah, right. like we've seen that before. When you have a fifteen point lead, and all of a sudden that has been cut to nothing in two and a half minutes, you did. You wouldn't have thought that maybe we're we're kind of getting a we're, we're allowing this rally to come up here maybe i should take a timeout after like i don't know the first minute where they reeled off 10 points i mean we have seen reggie miller even score like 8 points in 9 seconds yeah that happened but I, I don't get why happened. i don't get why he wouldn't use the timeout to try and come up with something or at least break up momentum yeah. because guess what he really didn't do it yesterday either that's two games in yeah. a row where you flopped in the and Drew Holiday completely took a dump in this series. Totally. Where yeah. was he? He was taking dumps in the other last year and the year before, too. It just so happened people picked him up, like Giannis Dendekumo in the championship. And run. Chris Middleton, yeah, he had a couple of games where he scored the basketball, 
but holy liability um, on defense. Yeah, totally. Holy liability, Batman. The Milwaukee, who had a 16-point lead going into the fourth, shot 5 of 25 from the floor in the fourth quarter in overtime. You can't really blame Budenholzer for that. That's why, obviously, it's the, you blame the entire team. But then when you break it down, it's like, who gets most blame when you're giving up pieces of pie? 10 of 23 on free throw attempts for Giannis Dindacumbo. Also, the Heat become the sixth team ever to beat a number one seed as an eight seed. And they had to play in. They had to play extra. The Bucks were resting stars. Remember the load management? Yeah. The Heat also had, what, seven undrafted free agents on their roster? And they shot out of their mind. But I feel like if a team isn't a great three-point shooting team and they shoot out of their mind, okay, hats off to them. But at the same point... The Milwaukee Brewers, or the Milwaukee Brewers, the Milwaukee Bucks perimeter defense was terrible. Yep, it's terrible. All right, uh, we're gonna hear from Giannis. Got phone lines blowing up. One second, we gotta hear this Giannis clip. I get what he's saying. I understand it because at the end of the day, there's only one winner. Like to win it all, it's few and far between because there's just one. More lose than win, obviously. So I get what Giannis is getting at here. But take a listen to the Greek Freak post game here. Michael Jordan played. 50- <laughs> oh. Why would you do that? I didn't do anything. All right, we're uh, let me reload this as uh, the internet just absolutely bringing it right now. You should put it in Adobe Edition. <laughs> all right, mm-hmm. all right, Clemens. All right, here we go. Works better. Here, here it is. Here it is. Take a listen. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me a question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year, somebody else is gonna win. Similar as that. We're gonna come back next year. Try to be better. Try to build good habits. Try to um, play better, not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. Now, Giannis definitely was... it was a good response by him to like a gotcha to the reporter. I feel like he was practicing it ahead of time. Though. Yeah, but like also, he thought of that ahead of time. I think this would backfire if Giannis actually asked Michael Jordan if he saw those nine seasons where he didn't win as failures. Were they failures? Because I think Michael Jordan would say, "Yeah, they were." Yeah. Well, I mean, how many uh, Super Bowls did Tom Brady win, Rowdy? And how many years did he not? Yes, seven, and he didn't win sixteen times. Would but I guess in Tom Giannis, Brady said those sixteen times. Yeah, I guess in Giannis's mind, he was a failure sixteen times. Is, or, or sorry, wasn't a failure sixteen times. But also, man, you can definitely tell Giannis did not watch the Bucks growing up because there's a lot of failures out, out, outside of a couple seasons. There was a lot of failures, and the team stunk. Giannis must have forgot his rookie year when they won fifteen games. <laughs> yeah, but he, as he said, there were steps to it. Like there's steps I to get it, them. But uh, c- I get what he's saying. But also, you are the number one overall seed. You were the best team in the NBA. I'm glad the Bucks finally got their steps right, okay. and they won their first title in fifty years not too long ago. Yeah. I'm glad they could put that all together. Actually, Giannis, they got lucky as hell, and they decided to draft you, and you became a superstar. That's how the uh, the steps came. I like how he is he for could, the organization. Uh, that that organization wasn't going anywhere yeah. without him. You can tell how hot Giannis is right away. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? <laughs> yes or no? Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So, why so you, Giannis is hot. This is the hottest I've seen Giannis. And rightfully so. He's just got to bust out of the playoffs. I mean, yeah, you can look back and call it a failure, but to like look right at him in the heat of the moment and be like, was this season a failure? What do you think? I'm asking you a question. Well, is it a failure? It's obviously <laughs> a failure because you have expectations. Yeah. We had no expectations for the Bucks in insert some random year from 2002 to 2018. We were celebrating Man. 44 win seasons. You know, I was pumped when John Solomon's made the five seed. You know what? Red Rowdy, uh, the King reminded me of something here. I'm going to lean on you to say a quote. 
I don't know if Giannis is too good on the Wisconsin uh, culture of sports here. What did Vince Lombardi say about losers? Yeah. If you show me a good loser, I'll show you a loser. <laughs> like, you can admit you can admit that this was a failure. You, you totally can, because it was. <laughs> There's nothing else you could call it. You have Giannis and Nakumbo, a once-in-a-generational talent. You won a championship two years ago. You're trying to get back to the best team in the NBA, going against an eight-seed. When, when you lose. When, it's a failure. When we had quarterbacks named Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and the team was a Super Bowl contender, say they lost, I don't know, to like the Denver Broncos in a Super Bowl. Well, that, after, after looking winning to, one? Yeah, after <laughs> winning one, looking to repeat when, I don't know, they lost to the Giants after going 15-1. and one, I don't know. They lost to the Seahawks. Sounds like a on failure On a Brandon Bostic. I don't know. Uh, you can go right on down the list. <laughs> San Francisco, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, all of those last second failures where you thought that that team could be in the Super Bowl or at least a a contender to win it all. They were failures. You came up short. Yeah. Um, what, but you what, know why? Because we have high expectations. What for do we teams. say about the last thirty years with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks? It was a failure to win two Super yeah. Bowls in thirty years. I can't believe they only got two Super Bowls or two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. What a failure for the Packers! <laughs> no one ever says it wasn't. Yeah. All right. People blowing up. Line one. Good morning. What is one new? That line two. Good morning. Harry from the north side. King, one, just one second, King. I'm going to write to you. Uh, line three. Who's this? Hey, it's just Corey. Hey, Corey. How you doing? I'm good. I'm going to let Terry take us a break. You'd say your piece, oh, Corey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll sit back and enjoy. This is your t- this is your time in the sun, though, Corey. What's up, brother? How are we feeling? Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, I just had a quick question. I, I thought you said you were going to take Terry to the break. Sorry. So I'm just wondering, how many years does Giannis have on his Supermax contract left? He's got three more. Three more. Okay. So they basically got three more chances bites at the apples they like to say around oh, don't say so, that do not if say that one more time i would be uh pleased with that but i would agree with your take brownie that uh if you talk to michael jordan and they actually asked him that question he'd be like yeah those years were failures because he was a killer like and how many times Corey, and, watching yeah. all the the michael jordan documentaries that are out there where he's talking about getting so pissed off that he couldn't get past the yeah. bad boys and the Pistons that it's it, it pissed him off enough to actually start working out and, and lifting weights yeah. and doing all this other stuff. Yeah. Go watch the and last it, dance. It literally fueled him to come back and, and say, I'm doing anything to win a championship. Yeah. So I get what you're saying, and I agree with you, but like he's trying to be the, you know, I get what he's saying because at the end of the day, only one team wins. But like only one, you got you got to be able to find yourself to like not go, you know, get depressed about it. I understand. I would say he's probably internalizing the fact that it was a failure, but he has to put on a brave face. So correct. NFL draft. Packers have eleven picks, starting with the thirteenth tonight, babies. Rowdy, we did the defensive side of the ball yesterday. Terry just called in a little bit ago talking about how it was going to be the tight end from Notre Dame going at 13. We all kind of shook our heads no. <laughs> offensive side of the ball, though, what's the bigger need, a tight end or a wide receiver? Or an I offensive would, lineman? I would say right now, both <laughs> for an easy answer. But I would, go, I would go tight end. Tight end? I don't end? think you can go what into if the there with Josiah DeGuara as your number one. What if JSN is there for the right for the taking? Then best of I would run the, to the podium as fast as possible and get yeah. the pick in. See, that's who I'm taking them. I tend to start oh, you. Here's pull, the thing: pull the Vikings and just wait. Going for through like four picks later. Yeah, going through this draft, <laughs> I'm not in love with a ton of the receivers. Like this is not the same type of receiver draft as 2020, 2021, or even the top 15 receivers of of last year. It, it's just not as deep. In my opinion, mm-hmm. but tight end is pretty freaking deep. Like normally, there's a couple, two, three tight ends that are highly coveted, and the rest are kind of eh. Yeah. eh. There's like eleven guys that they believe could be top four round picks. That's that's a lot yeah. in tight end. And if you look at some of the best tight ends in the league right now, they're not really first round picks. Uh, some of the best tight ends going right now, you would say that. Travis Kelsey's probably the best. He was a third-round pick out of Cincinnati. Yeah, Mark Andrews was a second-round pick playing with the Ravens. You have George Kittle was a fifth-round pick out of Iowa. Uh, Goddard, 
He was a second-round pick. It's not bad. I think there's a lot more value on tight ends potentially in the second round, the third round, because of how deep this class is. Because I don't see any of these current top-end tight ends like the uh, Dalton Kincaids of the world or the Michael Mayers or the Luke Musgroves. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of the consensus top three. I don't see them being any Kyle Pitts's. Like, they're not generational tight ends where it's like, oh, man, this is a can't-miss tight end. They're going to be great. Now, here's a question for you guys. Uh, I saw this for some draft rumors. Packers are tabbed as a trade-down candidate in the first round. So I told you my sleep schedule was a little messed up. It's a rumor. Last night, so I was up super late. Watching the NBA, and then you know, I couldn't sleep, Evo. So, you know what I did? I went to Pro Football Focus and did some mock drafts, of course. And I, oh, you know, did, did a did a few of them. <laughs> well, has your sleep then schedule ever been normal, Rowdy? Huh? Has your sleep schedule ever been normal in the past? No, not since working here. Yeah, <laughs> but well, it's, not on, it's not out of the ordinary, but. I went down a mock draft rabbit hole for probably a half hour, just kept doing them and doing them just to see like kind of how it would shake out. And Smith and Jigba was not available at 15 or at 13 for most of those mocks. And it kept coming up to, well, do you want to reach a little bit on a defensive lineman? Do you want to potentially reach a little bit on a certain edge rusher? Because a lot of the top few edge rushers were already gone in most mocks or, if you weren't going to trade back, do you want to take like a, a Paris Johnson, who's the offensive tackle out of Ohio State? Mm. Do you want to take a, a Brian Branch, who I do not like? I don't think he's first round pick if the safety class was a normal safety class when talking about depth. Yeah. So I think I could see if if Jackson Smith and Jigba is off the board, I could definitely see them going offensive tackle and or trading back. I was going to say, Packer fans probably lose their mind if they traded back. I'm looking at CBS Sports mock draft right now. At 13, they had the Packers taking, who Terry said, the tight end out of Notre Dame. Michael Meyer could totally see him surpassing the masses and being the first tight end off the board. High floor, three-down player for Jordan Love's offense. Yeah, and I agree with the high floor assessment there. I mean, you look at it, he's a guy that playing at Notre Dame, you can go down the list for Notre Dame the last 20 years. They've turned out a lot of solid tight ends into the NFL. I know RJ and I went down that rabbit hole a couple months ago when we were talking about Michael Mayer. And there is a long line of pretty darn good tight ends out of Notre Dame. But when you look at his profile, he's not super athletic. Like his comp was Jason Witten. Which Jason Witten's but you have to remember you have to remember with comps, a lot of the times when they get comped, that's their ceiling. Yeah. Now his ceiling is a, is an all time great tight end in in Jason Witten. But what was Jason Witten? Jason Witten was a great blocking tight end, which Michael Mayer should be able to line up in line block well. Which we know that's what Lafleur and the Packers like. Like they like blocking tight ends. It's Mercedes Lewis hung on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Also helped. He was one of Rogers' guys. <laughs> but we know that they like blocking tight ends. But at the same point. He he can catch the football just like Jason Witten pretty well, but he's not a super athletic guy where he's going to be a burner. He's not a Kyle Pitts. He's not a you know a, a Travis Kelsey when it comes to being athletic. Yeah. So he's kind of like the you know what I'm going to block really well. I'm going to catch the football when it's thrown to me, and I'm going to get whatever type of yards I can get. But he's not a he's not a a burner. He's not a huge playmaker in the NFL. He's just a serviceable, solid guy. Packer Do you want to use a 13th pick on that? Me personally? No. Packer fans, what would drive you the most crazy? They take a tight end like uh, Michael Mayer or they trade back? And I was talking about or take an offensive lineman. Trading back. A lineman. I was talking about like, you know, uh, the tight ends being deep. You can get a guy like uh, Sam Laporta out of Iowa who's projected in a second or third round. And he's got kind of the same type of floor, in my opinion, that Michael Mayer does. He's a guy that is reliable with good hands. He's not an overall like superstar athlete, but he makes all the plays. And he came from Iowa. He can inline block. Iowa. So I feel like you're, there's more value on a guy like that in the second or third round than using your 13th pick 
on a Michael Mayer. If you can get Smith and Jigba, that's a guy that can come in and be a, a big-time player right away. Yeah. If you can get a Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle out of Ohio State, Pity. that's a guy that probably sits for one year and or can be a, a fill-in when Bakhtiari's knee most likely flares up. Mm-hmm. And you probably are playing him at a tackle position next season when you have to probably cut Bakhtiari. Yeah. So that's a guy that would be worth that type of pick because of what he will come in and do. And then if the right edge is there, if, if maybe like a Nolan Smith drops and we know Rashawn Gary is going to be out because of the knee for a while, we know that Preston Smith is a candidate because of his All contract right. to be cut after next year. We know that behind them it's what? Inigbari, Jonathan Garvin. You have Justin Hollins. Like, all those guys are on one-year deals, essentially. All right, Packer fans, what say you? Let's go to the phones quick. First, X-Ray Punk on Twitch says, I wouldn't mind a trade back. Get a couple extra picks. That would be classic Packers. Packers. Draft. Pick number 13. Could the fan base sell a trading down scenario? Because the rumors are out there that the, the Packers could potentially trade down. Is this something that you could, A, see? Well, we could totally see it happening. We've seen it in the past. But B, would this be worth it for the Packers to get more draft capital? Yeah, I think it would, especially it depends all how the board falls, right? Right. Like if if Jackson Smith and Jigba's there, there is no way I'm trading down. If maybe one of the top edge rushers for some reason fell, there's no way I could trade down. Now, if you're sitting there and all these guys are kind of gone already, and you're like, ah, man, we don't, we, we're not really into Quentin Johnston. You know, maybe we don't like this other group of edge rushers. We feel like we're reaching at the defensive line. Maybe uh, like the the top couple offensive tackles are gone. I could totally see them trading back. What's what's worst case scenario at thirteen for the Packers? Uh, I know you weren't high in the Notre Dame tight end. What Michael Mayer? Um, is that what's worst case? For me, what would be the worst yeah, case for scenario for the the Green Bay Packers at 13? Yes. Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. I truly believe that this guy is like a second, late second round type pick. And you and Robbie both agreed on that, right? I believe he is a late second round pick in most average safety drafts. But safety is extremely weak. I feel like the the real value in this safety draft is trying to find somebody that's going to be taken in the late second, third round, because that's where it feels like the actual value of some of those guys are. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe Brian Branch to be a first round pick. I, I think he's a second round pick in a normal safety depth draft. Right, so, but what, because there's not many of them, supply and demand, yeah. he's going to go higher. And I would hate that because he's a guy that he's pretty decent at everything, but he's not great at anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, he, so he's going to come in, he'll be a starter, he'll be decent. But according to a lot of his draft profiles, he won't be like a standout great safety. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not going to be a uh, an Ed Reed or like even for the Green Bay Packers, like an Adrian Amos, most likely. Yeah. So what's best case scenario? JSN. That's my best case scenario. I I told you I was up late doing some of those uh, mock drafts, pretending to be the Packers at thirteen. Yeah, I could also see them taking like a, a again a Paris Johnson offensive tackle. He was one that continued to be there right around in that fifteenth pick. Okay, let me ask you this: No then. tight ends, no tight ends let's in say, the first round. Let's say Paris Johnson is there and JSN is there as well. And what what do you think? Let's get in the mind of Brian Gutekunst. Jigbo, baby. What? Let's get in the mind of Brian Gutekunst. What is more valuable, protecting Jordan Love with a lineman or giving him a weapon? See, it would always be protecting him, but the offensive line is is decent right now. Like, you still have David Bakhtiari this season. Like, it's on a short, we're, we're on long term. Yeah, long term, You, but that's the thing. Are you going to have that high of a pick to get a Smith and Jigba next year? Because you're hoping that Love plays well. You're yes. hoping that with the roster that they have, they can be an all right team. You're not going to probably be picking as high as the Packers are right now. At least that's what they're hoping for. Sure. Now things could go south and then, then you're picking in the top 10. <laughs> but I would say right now the <laughs> offensive line is good enough where you could ta- uh, take like a tackle next year because you know you're going to cut Bakhtiari. Mm-hmm. And Elton Jenkins will have another full year under his belt of playing. You could kick him to left tackle. 
We've seen him play it before. Yeah. We've seen him play it at a pretty high yeah, level. he's good at all that. So we don't have, as in the Packers, they don't have wide receivers. No. It's Christian Watson. It's Romeo, Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs. It's Samari Toure. It's Bo Melton. It's, <laughs> uh, was it, I can't remember his first name, Cotton. That's it. That's it. That's and it's really just Watson and Dobbs. Yeah, and who are, I mean, unproven a little bit. And Rob mentioned it. Wide receivers not deep. No, like there are some good players in this draft. Don't get me wrong, but once you get outside of that top four or five wide receivers, it falls off. Once you get outside of the second and third round. In my opinion, the lack of depth in this wide receiver draft, there's no Romeo Dobbs in the fourth round. <laughs> that Romeo Dobbs type receiver is going probably in the third round. In the, and That was a late fourth round pick. He's probably going in the third round, middle round now yeah. because of the lack of depth, supply and demand. But tight end, I said it before, but I'll say it again. Tight end, I'm not super interested in the first round. I don't believe... Michael Mayer to be a big game breaker like a Travis Kelsey or a Mark Andrews. Those guys weren't even drafted in the first round. Kelsey was a third rounder. Andrews was a second rounder. Kittle was a fifth rounder. You can go right on down the list. You can find tight ends. And this is a really deep tight end draft. There's like 11 so, guys that are legitimately top four round. Picks. Let me ask you this. Um, I'm reading on bleacher report right now. The Packers are linked to rumor for three, one of three moves. Trade down, uh, Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid. I don't see how Dalton Kincaid really fits on the Packers. Those are the three that Bleacher Reporter like. I the get team. he's a great receiving tight end, but he doesn't feel like a guy that'll come in and be a great inline blocker. We know that Matt Lafleur because everyone keeps telling me that they're finally going to run Matt Lafleur's offense. If they're going to run Matt Lafleur's offense, they are going to run the football. Jordan Love is going to throw on time, and he is going to make his reads. He is not going to play schoolyard the Offense is going to be run like LaFleur wants exactly. it. Exactly. If he's going to run it how he wants to run it, you're going to have to be able to block. That's what a tight end is going to have to do. So I guess overall, if I had to make a pick and they traded back and it was 25th and say Michael Mayer was out there and Dalton Kincaid was both out there, I'm taking Mayer because I think he fits the mold for the Packers better. He's more of an inline tight end that can block. And he can receive, but he's not he's not a great after the catch guy. Dalton Kincaid is the the guy that'll catch the football and he's the after the catch. He's the yak guy. He's not an inline blocker. He's not gonna be carving out huge holes for Aaron Jones to run through. No, um I know we talked we're doing a lot of offense today and we did um, I like I like Laporta and I like Kraft, and those guys are probably second, third round picks. Now we did defense yesterday, but let me ask you this. I know you and Ben are both high on him. The guy nicknamed Hercules by his teammates. Lucas Van Ness, if he's there and they take him out of Iowa, thumbs up. It would be a eh for me. I yeah. wouldn't be upset, but I'm. It's not like I'm going to be like, oh yeah, I love that pick. You well, know what I mean? Besides, like, besides Jackson and Jigba is the pick for me. It's the guy. Besides safety being, you know, worst case scenario um, for the Packers at thirteen. What would be best case? Who we just said? Jackson. It's for me tonight at thirteen. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba. What about defensive side? Defensive side of the ball, it would probably have to be an edge rusher, and it would have to be the one that they fell in love with. Because I see Van Ness, they got him linked going 14, uh, was it, to the Patriots. Yeah, and I've, you can look at it. You know this. There's a million mocks yeah, you out can there. Find it. you can find your answer anywhere. You can find him middle of the round. You can find him late first. Yeah. Draft tonight. Hold on to your butts because it is going to be a doozy. I can't wait. Do you think we're going to... Did we get a crazy moment last year? Like we had a Laramie Tunsil bong mask. That's one of my favorite moments. I feel like it already came out. The uh, Wonderlick scores? It's the Wonderlick leaking and then the Peyton Manning camp of C.J. Stroud. Everyone just on a hit piece of C.J. Stroud? Like everyone's just trying to knock him down? If if someone is really out there trying to have a hit piece on C.J. Stroud, the, I could see it being like the Colts or a team like that that aren't necessarily picking in that top couple where it's like, hey, we can get Bryce Young or, hey, we can get C.J. Stroud. One, two, let's go. They're sitting there. At, where are the Colts? Like seventh or wherever they're at? I They need a quarterback. Yeah, I could see them being the ones that are like, hey, bring this out there. We really like Stroud. Bring him in. 
leak his score, even say it's low. Yeah, tell, tell he's really he's a, dumb. He's a he's a bad guy that quit on camps. Yeah, he, he can't I can see that. He can't even read a sentence. The only other people that I could see out of outside of like a team like the Colts who are looking for a quarterback that are kind of outside of that top five. The only other people that would have a reason to do that would be other agents for their quarterbacks, yeah, yeah. which. I don't know. Do we, Agents, being an agent is a dirty game, but did we get like a did we get a big drama moment for the draft last year? Am I misremembering? I don't remember anything crazy. Like we had a CD Lamb like having two phones and him trying to hold it away from his. I that think was a few years ago. Sister, now. that was a few years ago. We had that brought, was his, his girlfriend. Oh, that was his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, he's like, get away from my phone. What are yeah, you looking don't, at? Don't be looking at we my the phone. Laramie Tunsil bong mask. We had. You know, I'm trying to think of moments gone by. Uh, obviously, uh, whoever forget Johnny Menzel storming out of the green room, not wanting to be there. Aaron Rodgers sipping the water bottle. Uh, That's not going to happen this year. I guarantee you, they only invited, I think it was 17 guys into the green room. Like when Rodgers was sitting there, they used to invite like, like 20, everybody, yeah. 25. Yeah. And then if you think about that, there's 32 teams. If you invite, say, 25 guys in there, we always know that there's a few off-the-wall picks where it's like, wait, this guy went in the first round? And then when you do that, and there's a couple of them, and maybe there's a, a few high second-round picks that end up dropping into the late first, all 25 of those guys that were expected to be first-round picks, they sit there, and they sit there. And no one likes that. It's not, it's not even that great a coverage for the ESPNs of the world. They only brought, I believe it was 17 guys to the green room. I fully expect everyone invited will be drafted. Hmm. Right, we'll talk more about it coming up. First, line one, good morning. Evo and Nelly, it's Gavin. What's oh, up, boys? Gavin! What's up, Gavin? What's How are we up? living? Happy draft day. We're, li- we're living good. How are we feeling on uh, Christmas morning here, boys? I'm excited, Gavin. Yeah, it's, it's a new era. They have picks. You're looking at a lot of different guys that could help the team. I think it's exciting, even though it could also be frightening. It's going to be a lot of fun with those two second rounders. Uh, there's also the opportunity that they may move up to the back of the first round. We might get two picks tonight, guys. Oh, wouldn't that be something, Gav? <laughs> yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. I don't think anything crazy happened, Debo, last year. I remember we had the A.J. Brown trade. You know, that yeah. was like during the first round. Nobody saw that coming. So that I think that was the only thing. I don't remember like of... anything like dr- like dr- dramatic, like look at no. these skeletons in this guy's closet. See, it's wild tonight, and Packer fans should be excited, Gavin, because they could go at four or five different positions. They could trade out of the first round or the back end of the first round and pick up picks. Like you said, they could trade the second round picks and get back into the first round. There's so many different things that the Packers could do. It's just going to be interesting and fun to watch. Gav, what are you thinking, brother? Yeah, they're in a good spot, being in the middle of the round and then moving up two spots and having those two second-rounders. I agree with what you guys were saying earlier, uh, Nelly, as far as the positions go. Um, I do think protecting a young quarterback is more important than getting the weapons first, but I think we're pretty set with the starters, guys. And the other thing to keep in mind is they – the Packers are so good at hitting those middle-round offensive linemen. I mean, if you look at the offensive line now, there isn't a first-rounder on there. Um, I agree with you, Nelly. I think JSN is the guy, which means they're not going to take him. But <laughs> it would just be Always. just an absolutely amazing pick, I think. I, I love the guy. Um, I, I agree with edge rusher. I think there's too many good edge rushers that are going to be there where the Packers are picking. A lot of guys with, hard, uh, with high relative athletic scores. Um, I'm going to go Miles Murphy. He's young. He's almost a Rashawn Gary clone. Uh oh. My um, block right on Twitter then. <laughs> a little less athletic than Gary, but he had more production in college. Uh, he's young, uh, very twitchy. I'm going to go Miles Murphy, guys. I don't think it's going to be a tight end, even though there's all these rumors about the Packers being linked to tight ends. But yeah, mm. JSN would just be. Would be too perfect, guys. I would love that pick, but we'll we'll see. It's going to be fun. Gavin, doesn't it feel like the draft for the Packers can also be like a double-edged sword where you have a, such a deep edge rusher class or such a deep tight end class, and the Packers could use an edge rusher, they could use a tight end, and it's like, do they dare take one super early, or do they trade back and take it in the second or third round? Because you could look like a genius trading back, adding picks, and getting a really good edge rusher or tight end in the second or third round, and you could look like a Dumbo if you trade it up, got your guy at 13 or whatever, and he ends up being not so good. No, I, I, I hear you there, Nelly. I, it's it's kind of trying to figure out where the, you know, where the Packers sit, like where that 
that sweet spot is for each each position. And I think, you know, obviously quarterbacks are going to go early. There's going to be three guys in the top ten, possibly four. I, I think Levis is going to fall, but I think the other three are going to go top ten. There's two or three elite offensive linemen. I think you're going to go. You got a, a corner, a couple corners. Um, and then, you know, Will Anderson's going to go, Jalen Carter's going to go. So I think that next area, I think there's just a handful of elite edge rushers. And the Packers, you know, that's a premium position, I think even more so than tight end. And with where they're at, with Preston Smith being, you know, on the backside of his career and Rashawn Gary, we don't know if he's going to be ready. I, you know, yeah. Nelly, even if they go edge rusher in the first round, I wouldn't doubt that they'd take another guy in the middle of the late rounds, you know, a second guy later in the draft. So Jeff, he's a man, brother. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to him. Hopefully again tomorrow to recap it. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about who they take tomorrow. Guys. Have a good one, fellas. Much love again. Good times, bad times, Led Zeppelin, bad times. God, the Milwaukee bucks, good times. The NFL draft, even better time talking about with Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley media, Robbie. I tried to get a hold of you, but what are the voicemail? I'm glad we get you on FaceTime, man. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, my palatial estate here in, uh, you know, lovely southeastern Wisconsin. We we, we, we still struggle with self-service here, you both. Uh, by the way, well well done on the word palatial. It's the word of the day. Rowdy and I have said palatial about like 10 other times today. Palatial <laughs> is the word of the day. Rob, um, I don't get the whole ins and outs of FaceTime. Like, I'm not a FaceTime kind of guy. Uh, but we had some callers call in and say FaceTime only worked uh, trying to get a hold of their, one of their grandfathers that was like he had no service, no cell phone service. Uh, calls wouldn't work. Text wouldn't work. But FaceTime would. I just got a message here from Pac- at Packers Idol on Twitter saying I'm not trying to help Aaron here, but FaceTime goes off your Internet connection. So when two people are on an iPhone and have Internet, it goes off of that, not your service. I don't know how it works. I just know it sounded like a really bad excuse from number 12. Listen, it's 2023. It's not 1964, right? I mean, there's out of out of out of all the you know little exaggerations and fibs that number twelve loved to tell when he was here, right? From the vaccine mandate to a million other things, and we can go on and on with this. And and and, and I'll be honest, I'm so tired of talking about the guy. I I, <laughs> I, I, I just I just wanted to get into the draft with you, my friend. All right, let's do but, that, Rob. Let's you know, do that then. We will close the book by by just saying this. You know, um, that 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 could be out of out of everything that he is. You know, kind of uh, let's let's be kind and call it fibbed about through the years. That could have been the worst excuse ever. Yesterday, he should have just come up to say, "Well, they didn't try to send me a letter in the mail." And we know, <laughs> and you know how the USPS, Rob. Sometimes, sometimes those things get lost. Maybe they did try. All right, Rob. Screw it. No more Rogers talk. It's over. He's a Jet now. Now he's number eight. But at number 13, the Green Bay Packers have that pick in the NFL draft tonight. Robbie, let's dive in. You've been doing it and doing it well year after year. You break down the draft for every position and what the Packers need. What happens at pick number 13 tonight? You know, you've all four major needs on, on the football team, the way, I, the way I see it anyways. Wide receiver, tight end, safety, and edge rusher. Um, they're, they're thin at all. In all four spots. I mean, Brian Gutekunst could take the highest player on his board. Um, it, it, in all likelihood, it's going to probably line up with one of those positions, or the, that position is going to be, you know, certainly in the top two or three, the guy on his board at that point in time. And he's going to tell you he took the highest rated guy on his board, and he filled the need at the same point in time. I, I would argue out of all those needs right now, Evo, the most critical positions are wide receiver and tight end. Because this administration, you know, this this uh, this general manager and this head coach absolutely need and want Jordan Love to be successful. Not, you know, they they, they have put their tails on the line with this. You know, Brian Gutekunst's job is going to wind up being on the line, you know, with how Jordan Love winds up playing here probably over the next 24 months. So I'm going to guess they're going to go offense. They're going to go skill position. And, and I've, I've, I've kind of been on this bandwagon for about seven to 10 days. I think they'll go Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. Um, in a, in a really down year for wide receivers, Evo, uh, where a lot of these guys are small. You start to look at some of these guys like, you know, Zay Flowers is a projected first rounder, the kid out of BC and Jordan Addison out of USC or, or Downs out of North Carolina. They're, 
you know, they're, they're 5'9", 180, and, and 5'10", 175. Robbie? <laughs> we lost. I think we lost. I think we lost you on Facetime there. Our palatial studios. Oh, the palatial studios. Rob, is that you again? Did we really have an Aaron Rodgers moment there? I, again, Rowdy. What, is, what about our studios are too palatial? Yeah, palatial. Are too palatial here, Rob. <laughs> too palatial. I'm telling you, maybe that was karma. Um, <laughs> that, that, that 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 was Aaron fooling with the phone lines. Now, Aaron, Aaron is you know quite That's, a powerful individual. So um, um, I'm trying to. Uh, where, where, did you, where did where did Rowdy? You, you were talking about small wide receivers. Yeah, small wide receivers. Go from yeah, there. Yeah, you know, and 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 what I would say on Smith the Jigba is, he, you know, he he he's not big by any stretch of the imagination, about six six one one ninety five, but he's not small either. So I think he steps in right away. He's your slot guy. You, uh, I mean, you probably right out of the shoot get sixty to seventy catches out of him, guys. I mean, uh. A couple years back, when when he teamed with Garrett Wilson and Olave at Ohio State, I mean, he you know he, he was the best wide receiver on the football team, and and we know those two guys I just mentioned were you know the the, the all pro rookies a year ago. So we're uh, we're talking about a guy who's who's an immediate contributor. He helps you right out of the shoot um, in in Smith the Jigba. Not only is he you know a dynamic slot guy, you can line him up outside if, if you absolutely need to. Um, and and he he does have that skill set as well. Um, I, I just I think he's a guy who the quarterback needs and and who the general manager and the head coach need to to keep this offense humming along and, and to keep this offense in the top half, let's say of the league guys. Because if if the offense drops suddenly to twenty seventh or something in football and this football team goes six and eleven, it's going to be a bad look for everybody, especially if especially if Aaron Rodgers and the Jets have immediate success. I like the fact that you brought up Smith and Jigba playing with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave because two years ago he was arguably the best wide receiver on that Ohio State team with those two, like you said, are you know all pro rookies. Now, some people that are a little hesitant or anti Smith and Jigba at thirteen, if he's there, are saying, "Well, he's been hurt quite a bit." I really it, it, that doesn't concern me because I almost feel like he was that good two years ago, knowing that he had to come back one more year. The hammy's a little tight. Well, I don't want to get hurt because the NFL's calling, and he's still going to be a top fifteen pick. I, I, I don't disagree with you, Nelly. It's a, it's a lot like some of these guys right now sitting out bowl games and things like that. They're they're going to come back um, and and do what they need to do for that final season in college in terms of. You know, put, you know, putting enough good tape out there for the NFL people and then, and then doing their best to try to tear it up in the, in the postseason from the senior bowl to the combine to the, to the pro days and the individual workouts that, 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 you know, by that point in time from his 2021 season, Smith and the Jigma, uh, you know, he had plenty of outstanding game film, uh, on tape. You're, you're exactly right. He could baby that thing last year, um, that, that, that hammy. Um, not rush himself back, and, and obviously he didn't. He only played in the four or five games, and um, you know, still not not hurt himself in, in the eyes of scouts. It's again, it's very comparable to a guy who had torn it up uh, in the regular season and, and elects to sit out a meaningless bowl game and stuff like that. I'm not telling you what Ohio State had going on last year was meaningless because they were undefeated till that till that Michigan game. But, but, you know, individually for Smith and the Jig, but he knew he was going to be a top 20 pick, regardless of, you know, if he came back and played a, a game against Rutgers or Minnesota or Nebraska or somebody like that. So, no, I, I, I'm with you. He's healthy now. I, I, I think he's the guy right out of the shoot, like I said, Nelly, who, who steps in and he, he gets you four or five catches a game out of, out of the slot and maybe some outside. And, and, and they need that weapon. We, we've talked about it in the past. They, They've only got two wide receivers on the football team that have really caught the ball at all at this level. You know, the two rookies from last year, Watson and Dubs, who each caught about 40 balls themselves. And, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's not even a hundred total catches, uh, right now in the wide receiver room. So they, they need a guy who's, who's, you know, um, you know, ha- has the potential to be dynamic instantly. Um, I, I think it's a little bit more of a wait and see with Quentin Johnston, uh, the TCU kid. Again, I, like I said, some of those other higher rated guys, I think are just undersized. And, and I, I think probably the surest guy in the draft 
in the wide receiver position is Smith the Jigba. So, Robbie, I want Nelly to run down his list because uh, we were talking off air before Rogers cut you off uh, when we got on air about you know who he likes, doesn't like, and you said, oh, I can't wait to hear this. But before that, I do have a question for you. Um, would it make sense, A, and B, would Packer fans riot if Brian Gutekunst traded back at 13? No, I, I don't. I mean, I think it, I think it makes I think it makes total sense if, if if he wants to go that route. I you know I was I was playing around with some of the numbers earlier, Evo. You know, on on, on the draft chart, and and for fans that you know aren't aren't aware of this, there's you know a, a lot of these NFL general managers use what's called the NFL draft trade value chart, and every pick is worth a certain amount of points. Well, that 13th pick is worth about 1,150 points on the value chart. Let's say he went back to about 20 or 21, because I, I wouldn't want to move back much farther than that if I were him. Be, you know, because now, now, now there starts to be a drop, I think, in, in some of the talent. So that pick, uh, Evo, is worth about 800 points. So the, the difference, let's say he goes back eight spots, is worth 350 points. That's about pick 54, 55. It's, it's kind of a late second. So now he's sitting there. If he does that, Evo, let, let's call it with pick 20, pick 42, which he has in the second round, pick 45, which he has in the second round, and now he has pick 55. So he's, he's, he's got all of a sudden he's got four of the top 55 uh, instead of three of the top 45. Um, and like I said from the start, that to me they have four pressing huge needs where, where they almost need to find a starter for next season. Tight end, wide receiver, edge rusher, and safety. I mean, if he did it right, Evo, he could land all those positions then in the first two rounds. He's still going to get a wide receiver, a tight end, at pick 20. He can drop into the 40s and 50s there in the second round and find himself. That He probably gets a safety that can play right away there. It's a really deep draft with edge rushers, and it's an unbelievably deep draft with tight ends. So he can get his edge rusher and he can get his tight end in round two. You're rolling the dice a little bit on the safety there because it's, it's a lousy, lousy year for safeties. But if he still went wide receiver in round one, which I think he needs to do, Evo, um, and he goes back to about pick 20, I, you know, not, now I think Smith and the Jigba is probably gone. Yeah. But I think you can get a guy like Quentin Johnston there, you know, if, he, if he's got – again, we don't know what his board looks like. You know, but if he has him circled as the number one uh, wide receiver in the draft, you know, he could certainly go tight end there as well. I think one of the two is going to be there, either Michael Mayer, uh, the Notre Dame kid, or Dalton Kincaid, the Utah kid, so he can get his tight end there and then wait till the second round to get the wide out. But either way, Evo, I think he's got to get a pass catcher, whether that's a wide out or a tight end in round one. All right, you two bouncing your ideas off each other. It's got to be rapid fire, though, just because we're running a little late. Rowdy? Yeah, the guys that I really am not looking forward to the Packers picking if they do select these guys in the first round, it's got to be Brian Branch, the safety out of Alabama, who's the consensus number one safety in this draft. I don't want to see them go out and take a tight end, Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid, especially when you're sitting there at 13. And then I would probably say the other one at wide receiver is Johnston out of TCU. I'm a pass. If if you can't get Smith and Jigma to me, I think I'm looking at potentially trading back or taking the offensive tackle uh, Paris Johnson out of Ohio state or Uh, When you look at the second round for receivers, I'm pretty high on Tillman out of Tennessee in the second round, especially if you're going to be collecting more second round picks. You're also the guy who told me that Rashawn Gary couldn't play. (laughs) And you agreed with me. I love you, Nelly. I love you, Nelly. I love you, Nelly. I just, I just, I just had to sneak that in there real quick. Robbie's been um, waiting on that one. You agreed with yeah. me that I, I did not like that pick and thought it, it was more bust than boom. Well, I did, I did certainly say it was going to be a risk pick. Um, there, there, and, and it turned out to be a boom. So maybe, maybe we were both wrong, Nelly. But I, I liked him. I liked him about midway through year two. Um, that, that he was in Green Bay. I'm with you in terms of taking a tight end, Nelly, at 13. I don't think they would do it if they go back into the 20 to 22 range. That might be the perfect place to get a Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame or, like you mentioned, Kincaid out of Utah. I like Mayer way more. I think he's got a chance to be Jason Witten. I really do. I think you get 10 years out of him at 60 to 70 catches a year. I think he's going to play in two or three Pro Bowls. I love Mayer. 
And if, and if he's the guy at 20 or 21, I, I think you're absolutely fine. Um, I'm with you. I wouldn't go high on a safety. I'd wait till round two. The safety I like actually, you know, better almost than Branch is Jordan Battle, his teammate at Alabama, uh, Nelly, who I, who I think's got a chance, you know, to be a, a really good player. They get him in round two or three. So now Evo said to be, to be quick and rapid fire. I am a Quentin Johnston guy. I like him a lot. Um, and, you know, in all the games that I did watch TCU, which was probably a half a dozen last year, he was typically the best guy on the field. Um, I know scouts have some concerns and, but, but, but what I would say, Nelly, is, is he fits the Packers size speed ratio better than most of these guys at 6'3, 210. I mean, Johnson is an absolute load. Um, now I know it takes him a little bit. He's a long strider, kind of like Jordy Nelson. Takes him a little while to get going, but once he does, look out. He, he's an absolute beast. I mean, if they wind up, Nelly, with one of those two wide receivers that we just talked about, and, you know, one of the top two or three, four tight ends in, the, in this whole thing, I, I think we're talking about a really successful, uh, you know, first night or two. So just to recap there, we're against each other on Johnston. We agree no tight end at 13. We agree no branch out of Alabama at safety. And we also agree I love Jordan Battle in the second or third round, too. Can you guys both agree that calling the guy a load is a great draft? word as well <laughs> it's an it's an outstanding it's an outstanding draft or get ready to hear it a lot the next uh he's got his head on a swivel this guy goes this guy goes north and south east and west and he's a load i love it rob robbie you're gonna be in green bay yeah i will be i'll i'll head over shortly i'll be there all weekend any anything you guys want we can chat about any point yeah, in time i got a i got a favor gonna, can you do this for me one, I, i'm a huge draft guy so it's, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot of fun can you do me a favor rob Yes, sir. Um, it, I'll reimburse you for it. If you could go and pick up a candle for me and then uh, a lighter, walk into the locker room and in front of Aaron Rodgers' old locker, could you light the candle and just have it just kind of burn out for me? I just, you know, maybe well, maybe well, say already, a couple I, sweet I nothings. I years back for you from Mike McCarthy, so I guess I, I, I better do the same thing with, with, with number 12. Yeah, see right? you know how it's done. Or, yeah. or, 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 not, or now number eight. Yeah. Well, I heard Goody already cleaned out his locker and gave it to a guy that has pretty good uh, prospects for the practice squad. <laughs> it will be interesting who takes that locker. There's no question about it. That'll that'll be a... That'll, that'll be a fun dynamic here. I want the. Um, I, I tried to. I tried to get Elton John to remake "Candle in the Wind" for me uh, for Aaron Rodgers, but he didn't pick up my my calls. He must be you know wanting to FaceTime. I don't know. He's in his palatial mansion. Yeah. That damn that damn cell service guys. I'm know. telling you. Yeah, I know. So, Even now, we can't we can't get it to make it through a whole radio segment. I guess Rob, if you could just light that candle and maybe sing the chorus to "Candle in the Wind," then that'd be great. For Rogers All right, real, real quick on the way out, everybody make a prediction. Who who, who, who are they taking tonight? God, Smith and Jigba, a lineman, that's my, that, offensive that, lineman. That, I, I say lineman my, or trade back. That's my guy too, Nelly. We're we're, we're going to be on the same uh, prediction train with that. We're, they need I'm, a I'm receiver, and the only way Goody can completely stick it back to Rogers is take one in the first round, and it happens to be the guy that everyone wants. <sighs> There is, God, there's so yep. many things at play. Robbie, we love you, brother. Yep. Have fun in, uh, I almost said New York. Have fun in Green Bay. Rob Reichel. Hey, a lot of people didn't like the Rashawn Gary pick when it happened. Rob was one of them. I, I also was one of them. I wasn't as adamant about it as you were, Rowdy. Hey, you know what? Rashawn Gary blocked Rowdy on Twitter. I'm against the Rashawn Gary pick. If it was still the same situation, I would still be against it. But I want to note it, Evo, that I liked Lindstrom. The guard out of BC, he's become a two-time All-Pro for the Falcons. And I liked Brian Burns over Rashawn Gary, who is a true edge rusher and actually statistically has been slightly better than Rashawn Gary. But no one likes those details either. <laughs> All right, there's a little cookie for you. Rowdy wanted and the rebuttal. he made it personal when he blocked me and I didn't even add him. Yeah, Rowdy never added him on Twitter, but Rashawn Gary was searching his own name on Twitter. Then I turned the heat up.